God says that uh, the soul that sins, it shall surely die. Uh, the wages of sin is death. God sent his son to pay that debt. And when the son died, justice was satisfied. The truth is offensive. The truth is offensive. The gospel is offensive. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of that good medicine podcast this is your host uncle marco aka marcus arnett i'm here with my nephew my little nephew seth carter what's going on guys hope y'all are having a good week yes we took a week off for thanksgiving basically we we dropped an episode on thanksgiving day and then after that we had like a space of a week where i was out of town it was just kind of a busy week for everybody so we didn't get to actually record that week to to post a, a episode last week so now we're posting one this is the week after thanksgiving we're posting one uh so man how's everything going for you good had a good thanksgiving it was peaceful yeah no jerry springer shows at the house like <laughs> from the past years yeah yeah nobody got uh nobody got mad and fought out on the front lawn or anything like that no i'm sure you know all about that too yeah why why did you say it like that <laughs> you sure i know all about well that. i'm from greg holler <laughs> and you're from cash Holler. you said it like i'm sure you know all about that i was saying yeah you got that cash holler yeah uh, you can't hey that long hair don't cover up this redneck you know <laughs> what i'm saying all right. Well, uh, hopefully you guys have had a chance to go back and listen to uh, our other episodes. This is episode number T U L. This is episode number three on uh, our five, well, our five episode series, our five point series on the doctrines of grace, or um, as it's referred to, Calvinism. Uh, the doctrines of grace, the five points of Calvinism. So, Seth, tonight we are getting into probably not probably the most controversial um topic in the doctrines of grace is limited atonement yeah it's definitely the most hated <laughs> this right here will cause a fight at your family get together yeah yeah i mean as long as nobody's busting somebody else upside the head with a turkey like i actually know a guy that did that one time he smacked somebody else in the face with a turkey leg with a turkey leg at the, at the uh gray fairgrounds 
at the Washington County Fair. <laughs> only, in, only in East Tennessee. I, I promise you, man. I was not there, but I heard I heard the story, and I heard from two or three witnesses, so I verified. Hey, it, you according know. to Moses, if you got two witnesses, that's right. Good to go. Yeah, I ain't never been smacked in the face with a turkey leg, but limited atonement might get you smacked in the face with a turkey leg. <laughs> it's definitely the most controversial point. Yeah, you meet many people that say they're four point Calvinists. They believe, you know. The four points of Calvinism, but on this one here, they definitely don't believe. Yeah. So when we say limited atonement, and, and I'll be the first to come out and tell you, this is not my favorite way to describe this. I would, I like uh, to use the terms uh, definite atonement or definite redemption more than I do limited atonement because it kind of gives off the wrong, it could give off the wrong, um, it could sit wrong with people because when I first hear that, you could say yes there's a limited amount of people that are going to be saved really it's not limited in the sense that uh, god's not surprised by the amount of people that are saved and christ is not limited in his power to save no uh i prefer definite atonement or particular redemption that's yeah. what i would use yeah. to describe this out of all the five points this is the one most people reject because of mostly the idea that God is trying to save everybody. I mean, let's just face it. That's what most evangelicals yeah. think. God is trying to save everybody. Yeah, that's that's a that's a key thing to, to keen in on. There is that God is trying to save, as in that God needs that that God ha, ha, is um, trying to fulfill what He has planned before the foundation of the world. He's trying to uh, fulfill that, and He's not able to do it. He needs our cooperation. Yeah, I mean, you either limit the atonement by saying God can't save everybody mm -hmm. or who he wants to, is what I would say. Yeah. Or you limit the atonement and it's only applied to those who believe. That's yeah. how I look at yeah. it. I want to start off by saying, Marcus, the when you hear the word limited atonement, it don't mean the value of the atonement is limited. Christ's atonement is sufficient to cover the sins of everyone. But it isn't applied to all. Now, most people would agree to that. Because yeah. if you don't, you're a universalist. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was getting at um, before, just saying that the 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 saving power of Jesus Christ is not limited. So that's why I said um, it could rub people the wrong way when they hear the limited atonement. Because there's, there's in a sense, when you hear the word limited, we, uh, we tend to go to the thought that, like, okay, you, there's not, you can't fully meet the requirement. You're limited. But God 100,000% will fully meet the um, who he is called. That's right. So what limited atonement is was that God from all eternity, or definite atonement or however you want to put mm -hmm. it, was that God from all eternity had a plan of salvation, which according to his magnificent and glorious grace, grace, let me get yeah. that in there, right? Uh, yeah. And his eternal divine election before the foundation of the earth designed the atonement to ensure the salvation of his people. It wasn't a possible, it wasn't a maybe, it wasn't a might happen atonement, it was a for sure atonement. Yeah. God simply made sure his elect people had atonement for their sins is what this doctrine is. Absolutely. And as I read in opening up there, um, and I know we're all familiar with Matthew 1 as the story, uh, the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the story of his birth. But you also see in verse 21 of Matthew chapter 1, it says, it's talking of Mary, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And it's funny, we heard a, a, a sermon on this Sunday morning, 
and we were sitting you were sitting beside of me and i kind of nudged you a little bit when i read whenever the pastor read this it says for he will save his people from their sins yes christ actually died to save people not to potentially or try to save right so that's that's where the um that's where the, there's a major difference coming there did christ come to uh, make people savable, or did he come to accomplish salvation for those that God had elected? He come to accomplish the Father's will from mm-hmm. all of eternity. That's what he yeah. has done. And I think a lot of people in their minds, when it comes to atonement, think when Christ died, there's potentiality for every single person. Mm-hmm. That's where it comes down to. There's potentiality to every single person. Is what people think. Now, to our finite brains, we don't. Of course, we don't know who the elect are. Nobody that's reformed with common sense will say they know who the elect are. Yeah, um, and even the Prince of Preachers himself, Charles Spurgeon, said that he wished that they had a yellow stripe on their back so he could go around lifting up their shirts and preaching the gospel to them. Oh, yeah. I mean, you preach the gospel universally. Mm -hmm. The call of the gospel is universal. Yeah. Now, God does the... Effectual call. Yes, the effectual call. Mm -hmm. I couldn't think of that word. it's all right. The effectual call... But we just do the general call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, getting into limited, limited atonement, obviously um, there are plenty of Bible verses that people will try to use. And, you know, I'm, I wrestle with this myself. You wrestle with these some of these Bible verses. And so I'm just going to throw a couple of them out there at you. Uh, and and you, I'll let you answer them. I know you've you've got some notes ready prepared for this, and and I be honest with you for our listeners, um, I've not had a whole lot of interaction with people, um, you know, on a one on one basis about this that have wanted to get into a deep discussion about it. Uh, and Seth actually has. Uh, Seth was the first person that I talked to about it whenever I was wrestling with it. I had no idea that Seth was a uh, Reformed Baptist that believed these things i was just asked picking his picking his brain i was asking him questions about it and uh and so he he does a really good job of uh of really expounding what the what the scripture says and explaining uh in detail on the common uh verses that are used to you know be objections to this yeah the egyptian verses yeah objection you hear that you hear that yeah, country plane okay. coming out yeah, yeah. the objection verses are yeah. the ones that actually made me reform mm-hmm Anybody could go to the verses that seem like it's talking about, you know, the atonement being uh, definite and everything. You think, okay, all right. But the ones that people throw at you to object to it, mm-hmm. if you could see the truth of limited or definite atonement in those, yeah. that right there is what makes you reform when you see the ones that people yes. oppose against it. So something that, that we've um, constantly pushed out to our listeners and tried to encourage is to take the scripture in context yes. read it in context read the the setting read who who is the crowd what was the uh climate what was the setting at the time who was the crowd and what's the context of that scripture what was going on at that time so i'm gonna throw one out there to you i know you've probably got some notes on this one uh hebrews 2 and 9 and i'll read it uh and you can you can ex- explain um why this is actually uh, plays to the favor of limited atonement and not against it. So Hebrews 2 and 9 says, But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of deaths, so that the grace of God he might so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. How would you answer that? Well if when you first read that 
everyone is the word that that's it jumps word, out at you. It jumps right, right at you. Yeah. But we need to see in the context, as you mentioned, what he's at, who he's talking to, he's, who he's referring to. Mm-hmm. And I'm about to answer that, but I want to say this real quick. Cherry picking scripture out of context to get proof text is one of the most dangerous things dangerous, people yeah. can do. Yeah. But Hebrews two nine, we see who exactly the author is referring to when he uses the phrase for everyone. We go to verse ten and verse eleven and see that truth. Yeah. For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Mm-hmm. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Mm-hmm. I want to go to Hebrews 10 verses 10 through 14 and look at this right here. This is one of the arguments the offer has. Talking about Jesus is the greater, just the greatest of all pretty much in the new covenant. Mm-hmm. That's what Hebrews is. It just yeah. shows that Jesus is a better priest. Jesus is better, yeah. Better than everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hebrews 10, 10 through 14. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for waiting from that time until his enemies are put as a footstool for, for his feet for by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified mm-hmm. because of this we should not expect the offer to contradict himself with his very own writing Yeah, if Jesus tasted death or sanctified himself for every single person in the world then that would mean that he perfected every single person in the world or that every single person in the world is saved, which Scripture does not teach. Yeah. And it shows you right there in Scripture from those who are being sanctified. Yeah. Who are those being sanctified? Well, the ones who repent and believe. Yes. You're not. Nobody's sanctified before they're a Christian. Yes. It's we are saved, and then the process of sanctification begins throughout our life until glorification. Yeah, he who began a good work in you will continue it to the day of Jesus Christ. It's the ones that have been born from up above yes. that are being sanctified. It's only the elect of God that yeah. are being sanctified. Yeah, that's, that's the elect of God are those many sons and daughters um, that we that we read about in Hebrews 2. That, that's who the many sons, many daughters, that's exactly who it is. Well, let me throw this one at you, unless you have something else on that one. Do you have anything no, else on that, that Hebrews I, right there? I'm pretty sure that's a good enough answer okay. for it. Um, I'm going to read this one real quick. It's 2 Peter 3. And this was the first one that, that came to my mind when I was wrestling with this with limited atonement, which I'll be honest was the hardest one for me to wrap my brain around. Um, but let's see. 2 Peter 3, 8, 9. It says, um, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, as a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some of you count slowness, but is patient patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So uh, we read there in verse 9 that the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as we count uh, slowness or slackness, but he's patient. And it says, not willing that any should perish, 
but that all should reach uh, should reach repentance. That all should come to repentance. So any and all causes causes us to go automatically to the every universal everyone universal view. Yeah, it does. But I want to go to the first part of that letter. It's Second Peter, the first chapter, mm-hmm. and it reads like this: is and this is the Legacy Standard Bible. I love that translation, by the way. Shout out to John MacArthur, who will never listen to this. But Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received the same kind of faith as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Look who the book is written to. Mm -hmm. To those who have received the same kind of faith as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, it's written to the people of God. Yes. Okay. we got to take that into view Mm -hmm. but also to give you a deeper answer for that the immediate antecedent of the word any in this passage is the word us and i think it's perfectly clear that peter is saying that god is not willing that any of us should perish yes but that all of us should come to salvation he's not speaking of all humanity and all mankind Mm -hmm. the us is a reference to the believing people who Peter's talking about. Yes, and something else that's really worth mentioning here is in Second Peter we read a lot in chapter 2 talking about false prophets, false teachers, and apostasy, which hopefully is something we can do an episode on sometime. I think that'll really be a, a, a really eye-opening episode for people. But apostasy of these people that were uh, false teachers and people were turning away. Um, and Peter's writing to, um, to encourage the church to... Uh, notice false doctrine to call out false doctrine uh and these false teachers and that those that do fall into this trap of uh unbelief through uh false teaching that they would come to repentance that those are the ones that would come to repentance god's not willing that they should perish that they should turn away that they should um become apostate because they're the people of god he's willing it's his will that they repent and come back Christ. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's so many verses that teaches this. Now, they, we're throwing out the ones that object. And there's some more. And I'm just going to go ahead and answer them if that's all right. Let's save uh, the best one for last. That we'll answer it. Let's let's go through some verses that, that teach this. That teach it. And then we'll end on the big three or four that people the usually main one. use. Yeah, we'll right. on, which I think we may have hit on it before anyways. But we'll hit it <laughs> that's again. That's all right. We'll do it again. Yeah. John 10, 11. Yeah. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth. His life for the sheep. Amen. Matthew twenty six twenty eight. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many mm-hmm. for the forgiveness of sins. Matthew twenty twenty eight. Even as the Son of Man came, not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mm-hmm. The key word there, many. Yeah. Hebrews nine twenty eight. So Christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time not to deal with sin but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him okay let me read this one here because i just this is one i ran upon recently um and maybe it's familiar with a lot of people but i recently ran upon it um in acts 13 and 48 it says when the gentiles heard this they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the lord and as many were appo- were appointed, as many that were appointed to eternal life believed. Yeah, that goes back to the verse we used for our altar call that 
altar call episode. Yes. Yeah. It talks about the group that yeah, God... Yeah, we, we use that, right? Yeah, it talks about yeah. the group of people that yeah. the Father's given to the Son. Yeah, as many that were appointed to eternal life. That's yeah. right. Yeah, keep going. I just wanted to throw that one back out there. I forgot that was the verse we used for our altar call oh, that's episode. All right. That's where I ran across to that, was studying that. That's a good verse for it. Yeah. Uh, John seventeen nine, the high priestly prayer from the Lord Jesus. Oh, yes. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the for world, world yeah. but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Mm. See, Jesus doesn't pray for the world. He prays for his sheep. Yeah. And that shows that Christ only intercedes for the elect. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's so many verses in the New Testament uh, that we could just rattle off, I mean, over and over and over, um, just showing you uh, that the Scripture is very clear uh, that God came to save sinners yes. um, and that Christ's work at Calvary was not a half-hearted work. It wasn't a work to make people savable. It was redemption accomplished at Calvary. Yeah, Christ actually died to save people, not to try to save. Yes, sinners were reconciled. That's right. Not possibly reconciled i like what rc sproul said the redemption of pacific sinners was an eternal plan of god accomplished by the atoning work of christ amen what else you got on that well we got a bunch of verses that people like to throw at us <laughs> all right what you got all right which one which one are you thinking right now? i think well for sure john three sixteen. yeah we'll let's we'll, we'll, we'll do that one last with that last yeah. Uh, Nicodemus, John 3, yes, chapter 3, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and well, that's John 3 16 there. Yeah, it's, it's the same. Yeah. How did I not know John 3? 3? Yeah, anyway, uh, yeah, you it's, got any uh, over there? No, I, I was just going to read a, uh, a quote from uh, Charles Spurgeon talking about uh, Calvinism, but specifically talking about definite atonement or limited atonement definite redemption particular redemption however you want to word it this is what he said if it were Christ's intention to save all men how deplorably he has been disappointed some insist that Christ died for everybody why then are not all men saved because all men will not believe that is to say that believing is necessary in order to make the blood of Christ effective for redemption we hold to say, we hold that to be a great lie. Elsewhere, Spurgeon wrote this, Some say that all men are Christ by purchase, but, beloved, you and I do not believe in a sham redemption which does not redeem. We do not believe in a universal redemption which extends to even those who were in hell before the Savior died, and which includes the fallen angels as well as unrepentant men. Christ came into this world with the intention of saving a multitude which no man can number. And we believe that, as a result of this, every person for whom, for whom he died, beyond a shadow of a doubt, be cleansed from sin and stand washed in the blood before the Father's throne. He added this, What did Christ, at one tremendous draft of love, drink my damnation dry? And shall I be damned after that? God forbid. Shall God be unrighteous to forget the Redeemer's work for us and let the Savior's blood be shed in vain? Jesus did not die in vain, for none of whom Christ died for will ever perish in hell. Amen. That, I wish I could come up with that myself, but that's a quote from Charles Spurgeon. I mean, he was all right. Yeah, he's a pretty good old boy. I mean, he smoked <laughs> cigars for the glory of God. Yeah. 
Yeah, he didn't die in vain. Though. That's absolutely true. Christ didn't come and um, halfway accomplish redemption. I said that earlier. He didn't come to make a, a redemption available. He come with the purpose of um, fulfilling redemption. His plan was fulfilled. Yeah, I, and I'm not trying to... I don't mean to bash people, and I'm not going to mention anybody by name. I would never do that, Marcus, because yeah. there's some good people that don't believe this that I truly love. They're good Christian people, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't ever want to run them down. But it just kills me when somebody says, well, if I was the only one that Jesus saw that was going to believe, he would have still died for me. Mm. Just You hear things like that, yeah. and it just, it's such a low view of God, not yeah. realizing what yeah. they're truly saying. And I love them people. They're saved people. That don't You don't have to be a Calvinist to be saved. No, I believe. Well, I like what R.C. Sproul said. God yeah. saves us all as Armenians. Yeah, and and I I still believe this that the duty of every person that preaches the gospel or presents the gospel to people, um, you still preach a whosoever will gospel, who which whoever will believe, because yeah. we don't know who will believe. That's right. And so that's where. Um, I think that's left out a lot from um, the the opposite viewpoint of ours. Think that um, well, if there's only a certain amount of people that are going to be saved, what's the point? Well, the Great Commission is not fulfilled. He said to preach it to every creature. Every creature, and basically, God is the one who um, has made elect and those that are not yeah. elect. And it's not up for us to decide who's elect and who's no, not. No, eight or two things will happen. Sovereign grace will appear to somebody or mm-hmm. divine ju- judgment will hit somebody. Yes, yes. And that judgment will be just. It's righteous. And it's righteous. They, they're they deserving of it. Yes. And, um, yeah, so I, it's, you know, um, there's a lot of people that will disagree with this. I, I wholeheartedly, I know that for a fact. But the fact of the matter is that... Um, Every, almost everybody that you talk to that believes this will say that people that believe uh, the five points of Calvinism, the doctrine of grace, whatever whatever you want to call it, would agree with this that it's uh, you still preach the same gospel. Who, whoever will believe um, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He came as a perfect sacrifice for our sins, that He took the wrath of God upon Himself, being a perfect man who never sinned, and that He died and was buried and on the third day he rose again that's right it's the same gospel the gospel doesn't change and i tell people how do you know that you're elect repent and believe yeah repent and believe yeah and, and so Don't there's deceive yourself repent and believe there's this fear that well how do i know that i'm how do i know that i'm one of the elect it's the same question that we addressed last season in our assurance uh episode on uh how can i have assurance of my salvation do you love the biblical jesus at all because those that are um, not Christians, in their heart, they're they are an enemy with God. There's, they have no genuine desire because they're dead in their trespasses and sins. So, anyways, we can I could you know riff on that for a while. But what else you got here, and we'll close it up. I got a few Egyptian. Uh, I cannot say that. <laughs> you got a few Egyptians. Egyptians. Yeah. Eject, objection verses. Yeah. Uh, Matthew twenty-three, thirty-seven. Famous one here, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stone those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you did not want it. 
that's one of the most famous verses you hear when it goes against Calvinism. Yeah. And all, they throw that one at almost all the points, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Except eternal security. Yeah. But we hear that and we think, oh my. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather you know your children. Mm -hmm. That's a judgment verse on Jerusalem. Yeah. And what happened in AD 70? The Great Tribulation. Yeah. I mean, it's a past event. <laughs> That's your right. I yeah. mean, it is. I, that right there just shocked probably a bunch of people hearing that. Mm. That's a different podcast. That's mm. a different series of podcasts. But that was judgment on Jerusalem. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. Let's go to these, and then we can close this thing out. John one twenty nine. I'm gonna read three verses of scripture uh, that I would use. Let's pretend I'm somebody that is in, in objection to you. Uh, I'm gonna use three verses of scripture and say, "What about this?" And you can explain. Okay. John one twenty nine says this. The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, "Behold." The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's John 1, 29. John 3, everybody knows where I'm going with this one. John 3 and 16 says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And last but not least, if I can do it without highlighting everything on my Bible app on my phone, First uh, John 2 and two well let's just read one and two my little children i'm writing to you i'm probably gonna mess up your uh <laughs> your explanation right, on that one by reading the first verse my little children i'm writing uh these i'm writing i'm writing <laughs> these things to you so that you may not sin but if anyone does sin we have an ad advocate with the father jesus christ the righteous he is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for but also for the sins of the whole world, Seth Carter. The whole world. Oh my. Answer them, man. How are you gonna answer that? Alright, well let's start with Nicodemus first. Okay. Let's John three. John three. Yeah. John three sixteen. Mm -hmm. I can't believe I got mixed yeah. up. Yeah. Okay. Nicodemus being a leader of the Jews, a Pharisee, a teacher of the law is a Jew. Salvation was only to the Jews, mm -hmm. it seemed like. Sure. Alright. Jesus talking to him, saying God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Talking to a Jew, showing that salvation just wasn't for Jews only, but mm -hmm. for Gentiles. Yeah. If you would know the Old Testament, you would know this right here in Isaiah 19.25. Whom the Lord of hosts shall bless, saying, Blessed is Egypt, my people. Mm -hmm. You think about that right there. What was Egypt in the Old Testament? Oh, yeah. They were the enemies of God. Nothing but pagans. Yeah. If you knew your Old Testament, not saying Nicodemus didn't, in a sense, yeah. you would know that salvation would eventually come to the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. Now, my answer for John one twenty nine is the same thing. Yeah. And my answer for First John 2, 2 is the same thing. Yeah. But going deeper in that, I would say that when he says the whole world mm -hmm. salvation will come to the whole world yeah every time every tribe every tongue yes that's what i mean by that but we gotta realize when jesus is talking john's talking or john the baptist is talking they're talking about gentiles also yes yeah. and you're talking about the known nations the then. known the what would we, what we would say if we were alive at that time we would call it 
the whole world because that was the known world at the time. At the time, yes. Yeah, and so the gospel of Jesus Christ is getting out to the whole nations. Like you said, it's getting out to these different um, these different, different nations, tribes, these different, different tongues. Yes, yes. these people that are not Jewish. Yeah. It's getting outside of that. Yeah. yeah. It, see, salvation was very Jewish mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. Right. Now, there was people like Rahab and uh, Ruth was a... Yeah. I would say Ruth wasn't a practicing Moabite. Yeah. But um, mostly Jews mm-hmm. were the ones that were saved, of course. And yeah. that's my answer to that. And I think it's a very good answer. Yeah. Well, and you can arrive to those answers by, um, under, number one, having an understanding of the context of the Scripture, but also understanding there's some Old Testament in there that, that really, when you take into consideration and look back at the Old Testament and how salvation was to the Jews, and that was uh, and God's coming in the new covenant to right. Gentiles and Jews. It's the story of redemption yes. from Genesis to Revelation. It's not a storybook where we're picking out a story here and a story there and a story here and a story there, which is how, um, you know, I'll be honest, historically a lot of us have looked at the Bible that way. It's a story of redemption. It's how God has a people from the very beginning and how God, through his love story of redemption, through the Bible. Hey, man! Draws his people in. That's right. And if you're a post-millennialist, I know you're looking at me funny. For God so loved the world, I mean, eventually, I'm just saying, the whole world will eventually come to Christ if you're a post-millennialist. That's another episode. Well, not the day. whole world. That's yeah. going to be wheat and tares, but a majority of the world, I mean. We'll get into that on another one one day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, obviously, I know this is going to be a major shock to anybody who listens to it, all 17, 18, 19 of you. I think we're up to 19 viewers now but we just dropped some bombs in too yeah this is a pretty heavy one and i'm pretty sure not just the limited time but if i said the great tribulation started i bet happened in 1870 yeah that's yeah that's probably just worse. basically pass over that for save that nugget for later uh, and we can talk about it some more at a later time but i want to ask you this for anybody that listens to this who is in just uh blatant like anger rejection from hearing this i would ask listen to this several times over take the scriptures that we've went through and study them for yourself yeah um and then if you want to talk about them we can talk about them that's That's right uh it's real easy to uh when you face something that just totally is a bombshell that somebody drops on you it's really easy the first thing to do is to react in such a way that's quick and you react you react out of emotion but we want to guide you to react out of love for God and love for his word. And so through his word, don't take our word for it. Take his word for it. Yeah, and there's some good books out there by good men that uh, will help you with this subject. Mm-hmm. I mean, the best one on this, in my opinion, is The Death of Death and the Death of Christ. That's a it's an unusual title by John Owen, but it is just expository preaching through that book, explaining verse by verse. I've read it. It is a hard book to read. Um, that's a good book. The Potter's Freedom by Dr. James White. The Five Points of Calvinism by uh, David N. Steele. And I, I can't remember who else wrote it. And I would say what uh, the Reformed Theology book by R.C. Sproul. Yeah. I'm trying to find... It's bad. I can't remember the name of it right now. I'm trying to find it on my phone. But one that I read um, while I was wrestling with a lot of this stuff 
was it was by James White. Do you remember what the book was? Drawn by the Father. Drawn by the Father. James White. And if you're a small book reader, like uh, your boy here, Uncle Marco, uh, who can, you know, I read on a third grade level. Um, if you're at that level and you don't like to read big novels at a time and you want to read something that's two, three hundred pages, uh, Drawn by the Father by James White is is just an awesome, awesome, awesome expository uh, sermon lesson of uh, the book of John and particular scriptures in John and it explains how we are drawn by the Father and it really gives you a good understanding of the doctrines of grace and really it gives you a really good understanding of irresistible grace which is our next episode yeah, that's right yeah what is reformed theology by rc sproul that's the book i was trying to think okay. of. i didn't want to say reformed theology book yeah but what is yeah. reformed theology, reformed theology books and stuff yeah i yeah. wanted to make sure i gave the right title hashtag hillbilly theologians that's right yeah we're gonna put that on the back of our t-shirts if we ever get any made hey man that's right okay uh all heads bowed all eyes closed god bless good night amen <laughs>